to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Hallelujah. Well, you know, we've been talking about revival. And I mean, the resurrection is really all about revival. I listened to sermons driving back and forth to Lake Wales, listened to sermons this morning, heard some different things, and, and I hear sermons, but I mean, what good is, is a day like today if you don't know what it did for you? In other words, somebody was talking about how big the cross was and how fat the nails were and all that stuff, and that's good information, but how many know that's not going to change my life, whether it's a, a little nail or a big nail? So Jesus went to the cross, and everything that he did was for you. He didn't do anything for himself. He did it for you. So we need to find out the main reason why he went there and take advantage. Say, take advantage. advantage. This is informational. This is life-changing this morning, praise God. So let's just start in verse, uh, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. As revival continues to break out all over the place, as you know on most of your news channels, you're hearing all about it. Nope, you don't hear anything about it, praise God. Hallelujah. We're afraid to put it on. All right, 2 Timothy, let's start in verse 3. Are you there? All right, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetousness, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. I mean, no, we might be in those days right now. Now, notice what it says in verse 2 at the start. It says, for men shall be. Say, men shall be. Men shall now, it doesn't say that sinners shall be this way or the church shall be this way. It simply says men. So maybe he's talking about everybody. Look at verse 3. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, no self-control, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. This is talking about the last days. How many know I think we're in the last days right now? So this is showing you something. I believe this is, is addressed to us for the fact that most of the world out there is not trying to have a form of godliness. Trust me. They're trying to have a form of something else. But here it talks about a form of godliness that the church may be taking on, but notice what they also do. They deny the power thereof. So we don't want to be a group of people that are going after godliness. How many know we're new creations and we're pressing towards our identity and everything else? But we don't want to get to godliness and not exercise the power or understand we have the power that goes along with godliness. Now, power isn't known by most of the church. People don't understand the power that we have. People don't understand why we have power, if we have power, the power that we have. But everybody in here, if you're born again, how many people are born again? If you're not, nudge the person aside of you. They'll get you born again this morning. Praise God. Take good care of you. Yeah, if you're born again, then there's some things you need to know in your life and some things we need to do. So we want to take on the identity of God because we have his DNA on the inside of us and his nature, but we want to operate in the power of God that has been given to us through Jesus Christ's suffering and death on the cross. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to hit a lot of quick scriptures this morning.
All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 21. It says, For he has made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin. How many know he didn't know any sin? He took our sin to the cross. Why did he do that? So that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, we've talked about righteousness. Righteousness is a legal term, not a church term. Basically, it puts you in right standing with God to receive all the benefits of God. And that wasn't by your works. That was by what Jesus did on the cross. So here it says he made you the righteousness of God in Christ. How? By Jesus' death on the cross. Go to Romans chapter 5. Say, I am righteous. All right, Romans chapter 5, look at verse 8. But God commends his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So here Christ died for us. When he died for us, what did it make us? It made us justified. Say justified. justified. Now we all know just as if I never sinned. So how did we do that? Did we do it by our good merits? By what we did, good or bad? No, here it says by his blood. Well, where was his blood shed? It was shed on the cross. So on the cross, when his blood was shed, it justified, gave mankind, everybody, an opportunity to become justified, just as if I never sinned based on what Jesus did, not on what we do. How many of you tried it on your own for a while? How many of you had any success doing that? No. So here it says you've been justified and made righteous. Now go back to chapter 4, Romans Look at verse 25. It says, Jesus was delivered for our offenses on the cross, and he was raised. How many know that's resurrection? He was raised again for our what? Justification. So what is Resurrection Sunday? It is an opportunity now that Jesus has paid the price for all mankind, has restored us back to our original place in the garden before Adam sinned, and basically we are in a justified state and a righteous state right now, not by anything that we did, but by what he did on the cross through the blood. So when he was raised from the dead, we were put in a position, all mankind, to receive him as our Lord and Savior and become righteous toward him and justified toward him. If you're dealing with any guilt, it's the devil. If you're dealing with condemnation, it's the devil. Jesus paid for it. Well, I sinned. Well, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Just believe that scripture and go ahead and repent and start all over again and don't do it again. So we've been made righteous. Say, I'm the righteousness of God. Say, I'm justified. Say, just as if I never sinned. Okay, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Now, why would God justify us? Why did he have to make us righteous? What was the main reason why he wanted us to bring back in that relationship? We know he loved us and everything, but what was one of the main reasons he made you holy and justified and righteous? So you could have the Holy Spirit. When Adam failed, the Holy Spirit left. He's got to get the Holy Spirit back in mankind. How many of you know that? In order to do that, he's got to clean it up. He cannot put new wine in old wineskins. He cannot put a new garment on an old garment. He can't do that. So what did he do? He had to do something about your garment problem and your wine problem. In a spirit, talking about. Yeah. He had to change things on us. So he made us righteous and he made us holy. Right. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 22. In whom you also 
are built together for a habitation of God. How? Through the Spirit. So now since I'm righteous and I'm holy and I received that from God, it was there, I received it by faith, by believing what Jesus did, now I have become a habitation, say a habitation, a habitation of the Spirit on the inside of you. That means you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. How many of you believe that? Well, notice, if you really believed it, do we got to go there? See? If you really believed it, how can you be a born-again Christian and sleep around? Well, I hope God doesn't see me. He's in you. Turn on the lights, turn off the lights, do whatever you want to do. He dare, man. He's on the inside of you. Well, I'm going to steal. I'm going to rob this place because I need the money. You can't do that if you believe you're a Amen. habitation of the Spirit of God. Now, if God's way up there someplace and he's an old crippled spirit because he's been so long and maybe he can't see very good and you can get away with it. But once you understand you're a habitation of the Spirit, a lot of things that you allow into your life will no longer allow into your life because he's right there, praise God, on the inside of you each and every day. So I'm a habitation of God. God's on the inside of me. What happens when I, when I go to work? God's on the inside of me. Go to the store? God's on the inside of me. What happens when I'm just about to get mad and tell somebody off? God's on the inside of me. See, he's still there, isn't he? Yeah. He, he may be doing this, but he's still there. Yeah, so the revelation of having God on the inside of you as a habitation, as somebody who lives in you, who somebody's in there, who somebody wants to help you in all your difficulties and all your situations. See, I'm a habitation, I'm a habitation. Of, God of God through the Spirit. All right, go to Acts chapter 1. Okay, so I've been made righteous. I've been made justified. Thank God for the blood. Jesus on the cross provided it for me. I received him as my Lord and Savior. I'm now in the kingdom of God. So the Spirit of God has come to live on the inside of me. Well, so what if the Spirit of God's in there? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 8. Jesus says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So not only do I have the Spirit of God in me as a habitation, I also have something called power. Say power. power. That word is the word dunamis, which is our word for dynamite. Amen. Woo! you got dynamite in you this morning, praise God. Hallelujah. I watched Andy Griffith one time, and they had a, a goat, goat who was walking around town, and they were exploding. Did you ever see that? They were exploding on the road, and the goat got... The goat got loose and ate all, all the explosives. I'll tell you what, when he walked in, people backed up. Why? He was full of power. Well, you've got dynamite on the inside of you, praise God. You didn't have to eat it. It already came on the inside of you. You have power, and you should be making effect in other people's lives, praise God. And notice what it says here. Just go back. We're going to this. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be what? With the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Okay, so here's Jesus trying to simplify it. I mean, I'm glad when he simplifies stuff, because I don't get it sometimes. He says, remember when you were baptized in water, they took you and they dunked you under the water and you came up. How many of you know when they came up, you were wet? He said, well, the same way, spiritually, say spiritually. spiritually, you were dunked into the Holy Ghost and you came up Holy Ghost wet. Are you following me? And this is why people, 
This is why people have trouble with people who actually believe this and flow in the Holy Ghost and make fun of them because there's sometimes when I'm laying hands on people, there's sometimes when I do other things, there's sometimes when somebody will walk up and I'll just go like this and they'll fall down before they get to me and people want to criticize, saying, oh, he, they were in cahoots. He must have, they must have known he was going to do that and he was going to fall down. He was going to, let me give you an illustration. This is my fingers have been baptized in water. This is a type and shadow. So I'm walking in the spirit, and somebody starts coming up, and you know what I do? I do, they like me, so they do this. Did they get wet? Did I touch them? But did they get wet? Okay, why can't we do that spiritually? It's okay in the natural, yeah, but it's spiritual. Sometimes you do that, it jumps on them because you're wet. Do you understand? In the spirit, you've got an anointing on you. You've got wet on you. Sometimes you clap your hands and it sprays on them. But yet we, we want to criticize people who operate in the spirit, not understanding that if it operates in the natural. I mean, you come up out of the baptism and run and hug somebody because you're happy. How many know they might get wet? As a matter of fact, they'll try to run from you probably because they know you got something that's going to get them wet. It's the same way in the spirit realm. You've been baptized into this Holy Ghost, and this Holy Ghost is all over you. And the Bible says it is the baptism of gladness. Say gladness. gladness. Never says sadness in the Bible. It says gladness. Say gladness. gladness. How many know an oil of gladness is better than another? Yeah. So, so when you see people moving in the spirit and doing things and you're ministering and God tells you just to put a finger on them or God, I mean, look at Jesus. He spit. Right? He spit. Made mud and rubbed it on somebody's face. How I many you know you'd get kicked out for that in this day and age? Yeah. And notice what he didn't do. Everything he did was according to the Holy Ghost, so he didn't spit on everybody. And he didn't start the first church of the spitting ministry. See? He just flowed in the Holy Ghost, praise God. If the Holy Ghost led him to spit and make mud, he did. If it led him to do this, he did that. Stick the finger in their ear, he did that. It's the same way with us because we have something in us that will touch other people and help other people. That's why we lay hands on the sick so that they... Come on. Why do you think he tells us that? Just to see if we'll do it? No, because we've got a deposit on the inside of us. It's on the inside of us all the time. Now, is it always active? No. Can you block it? Yes. How do you do that? Just step out of the anointing, step into doubt and unbelief, step into critical, step into all these stuff. It blocks it on the inside. But it doesn't mean you don't have it. It just means you're not allowing it to operate in your life. And I don't care how long you've been a Christian, you've got the same Holy Ghost as everybody else. You don't get a baby Holy Ghost and as you grow, he grows on the inside of you. No, it's the same Holy Ghost. I don't care if you've been saved two days. You go out and lay hands on people, you'll probably get more people saved than somebody who's done it 30, year, 30 years because they haven't done it at all in 30 years and you did it your first day. Oh, I knew it was going to get quiet. I should have never said that. Yeah, what are we doing? What are we doing? Are we denying the power thereof? Are we trying to be godly yet denying the power that comes on the inside of us? You've got power in you this morning. It's already on the inside of you. You've got the power to walk in divine health. You've got the power to walk in peace. You've got the power to walk in joy. And it doesn't take much. I said, Wednesday night, my, God forbid somebody sit in your Sunday morning church seat. You'll backslide for weeks. No, these little things shouldn't be bothering us anymore. They shouldn't be bothering us because we want what's on the inside of us to operate more than anything else in our life because the Spirit of God is on the inside of us. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2.
All right, are you there? First Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse 4. This is Paul. He says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, so Paul says, I'm demonstrating the power of God that's on the inside of me, not so you have excitement about my wisdom or my understanding, so that you put your faith in the power of God that's on the inside of you. So Paul was demonstrating power not to be, you know, the greatest person in the world. He just naturally walking in the power of God so people would see it, understand they got it, and do the same thing that he did. Are you following me? So there's power. So, so what happens? He wants everybody to know that they have power. He wants everybody to understand you have power. I want you to put your faith, not in me, in the power of God itself that's on the inside of you. Why? Then you no longer deny the power of God in your godliness, but you'll operate in the power of God. In so we need to see the power of God, don't we? We need to see it in operation. But we need to believe ourselves. Now, how many of you know, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established? You're going to have to find two or three scriptures that tell you that you've got the Spirit of God or the power of God in you and stay on them till you convince yourself. We're not, we're not declaring the word to convince God. I got the Holy Spirit. He knows it. I got the Holy Spirit. He knows it. I've got power. He knows it. The convincing comes here. The renewing comes here. The understanding comes here. You've got to let the Spirit of God show you on the inside what you have on the inside of you, and he will do it through revelation. All of you, if you could see where you were when you first started when you were born again and saw where you are now, the changes that you've made, but they've been gradual, haven't they? Yeah. So you don't see them. You just understand. All at once, something you used to walk around and say, I'm so darn sick all the time. And now you can't hear anybody else say that without trying to slap them. Are you following me? Because your mind's been renewed to the Word of God. And now what you used to say, you can't say anymore, and you don't like it when they say it because you know it's not working in their, it's going, not working their life and doing it, so you've solely been renewed. Say renewed. renewed. See, renewal doesn't come. And a lot of people say, I'm so glad Jesus saved my soul. No, Jesus is saving your soul. You're born again in your spirit. Trust me, my soul is still being saved and will always be saved of different things. That comes through renewing it through the Word of God. So we want to stay in the Word of God. We want to study the Word of God until this power becomes real. We talked about meditation on Wednesday night. See yourself doing these things and you will do these things. But you've got to see yourself. Close your eyes, meditate on my word day and night. I see myself laying hands on the sick. I see touching people getting healed, and I see getting set free. I see demons coming out. I see all this stuff coming out, and it's in your imagination, which connects to your spirit. So we want to see ourselves doing what's in the word of God that's there. Hallelujah. All right, praise God. It's all right. We're being invaded. He's good. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 26. He's good. He's a good boy. Probably wants a drink of my water, it's all. First Colossians twenty-six. Colossians. Chapter one. We talk about revival, I tell you, there is no revival without power. There's excitement, there's uh, getting all hyped up, there's getting all fired up, but without power, it is no revival. Because it takes the power of God to change people. It takes the power of God to get born again. How do you know when you got born again, it was a miracle. Yes. My God, if you could have saw what happened on the inside of you the day you got born again, that ugly thing that got killed and taken out of there, and the new thing that got put in, you'd be rejoicing forever, whether we ever had Resurrection Sunday or not, praise God, hallelujah. 
See, and sometimes we want to focus in on this stuff just then. And now, you, you know, next comes Pentecost, and we're going to focus there. And then we're going to throw everything aside. Then we're going to go back to Christmas and go around. We just keep going around in a circle and not taking advantage of anything that's going on in all these holidays. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 25. Paul says, Whereof I have been made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me to you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now, say now, now. how many of you are living in the now? now? But now is made manifest or known to the saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ coming back on a white horse, Christ in the third heavens, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So where's Christ? He's in me, isn't he? He's the hope of glory. He's on the inside of me. Now notice, this is a mystery. Why was it a mystery? Because in the Old Testament, they could not have Christ in them, the hope of glory, because they had not been born again yet, and Jesus had not gone to the cross yet. So now the mystery, after being hid for generations after generations, is supposed to be made known to the church. And we've had over 2,000 years to make this known to the church, and nobody in the church understands it. And this is to convince the Gentiles of the power and ability we have. Well, we have to convince the church before we can possibly convince the Gentiles, and we're not even convincing the church of this. This is something you need to be convinced of. This is yours. This belongs to you. This is another freebie. Say freebie. freebie. My God, I love freebies. So Christ in you. Say Christ in me. Christ in me. The hope of glory. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Okay, so the mystery is Christ. Where is Christ? In He's in you, isn't he? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 23. He says, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, that's us, Christ is the power of God, and Christ is the? Wisdom. Say Christ, Christ. Is the power of God. Power. Say Christ, Christ. Is the wisdom of God. Wisdom. Say the mystery is Christ. In me, and Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the power of God is in me, and the wisdom of God is in me. Is that right? Yeah. And we're praying for wisdom, begging God for power. Oh, God, give me power. Oh, God, give me wisdom. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Still a mystery to most people. We want power, but you've got power on the inside of you. We want wisdom. You've got God's wisdom on the inside of you if you just yield to it. And stop trying to figure it out for yourself. Mm. I'll grunt for you. Mm. I'll make up for it. Yeah. You want to figure everything out with your mind and not let it come up out of your spirit. Praise God. You've got the wisdom of God. So I've got the mystery. I know what the mystery is. It's Christ in me. And Christ is the power of God. And he lives on the inside of me. And since I'm, I'm, I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost, I'm soaked with the Holy Ghost. Soaked. You see these preachers run around. Benny Hinn used to go like this, and everybody would fall down. Oh, that's blasphemy. No, that's just the Holy Ghost, praise God, is all. He had a bunch on him. He just threw it out there, praise God. I mean, I could soak myself and then throw it out, and all you would get wet. How many of you know that? Well, it's the same thing. We don't want to equate the natural with the spiritual, but they're the same thing. That's why Jesus said, you're baptized in both. Can you understand this? You're baptized in water, baptized in spirit. Put them together, figure it out, you know. 
Sometimes he treats us like we don't know what's going on, basically because we don't know what's going on. Yeah, Christ is in us. He wants us to understand the power of God is already on the inside of us. All right, go to Mark chapter 9. That's why we sang the last song. I have resurrection power living on the inside Jesus. He had given us freedom. See, it's not just a song. It's a message. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know you're important when he gives up his binky. Come here, we got to finish this teaching. Come on, you want to help? Come on, that's fine. Here we go. No, you turn the page if I need it, okay? All right, Mark chapter 9, look at verse 1. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of you that stands here, which shall not taste of death, till you have seen the kingdom of God come with what? And after six days, Jesus takes with him Peter, James, and John, and leads them up into the high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow. It did, it really did. It's right in here. Why just know? And there appeared unto him Elias and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said unto them, Jesus, it is good for us to be here. How many know it's good to be in the presence of God? <laughs> and let us make three tabernacles, one for me, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now notice, here what happened. He finally saw the power of God in manifestation, but he was still box-minded. God lives in a box. Where does he live? In a box. God's here. Let's box him up. Yet we've done the same thing in here i got to go to church to meet with God. Well, you're, you're bringing God to church. Thank you. We need you here. You understand? God lives already on the inside of you. Praise God. So here he says, thank you very much. Here. Okay. So here he says, basically, that he wanted to make three tabernacles. Why? Because they were, that's the way they thought back then. They didn't think God could possibly live on the inside of them. So what happened here? Jesus gives them a demonstration and they all want to box the thing up. Well, this, this is a time right now where you don't want to be boxing up the power of God. You want to operate in the power of God. All right, one more. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, are you there? Now look at this. This is the first prayer that I got. Kenneth Hagin always said, you need to read this prayer every day. Now, I mean, he was pretty successful, so I thought I'd do that. <laughs> look at verse 17. He says, read this for yourself. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sat him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named. Now notice what talks about the power here. Paul doesn't say pray so that you get the power. He doesn't say pray so God finally gives you the power. He says I'm praying that you get a revelation of the power that's already to you. It's already to us. Well, what kind of power is it, Jesus? It's the same exceeding great power that raised Jesus from the dead. Now when was Jesus raised from the dead? Was it on Resurrection Sunday? 
Yeah, it's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is on the inside of us. He said, you need to get a revelation of this. Don't pray for it. Don't want to get it. Don't, don't fight for it. Don't do anything else for it, praise God. You just got to get an understanding that the power that's on the inside of you is already on the inside of you. And it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. In Romans 8, it talks about you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. What do you have? I have resurrection power. Why was Jesus raised? So I could get the Holy Ghost, be declared righteous, and I could have resurrection power in my lifestyle and operate it in it. But you're going to do it. The Bible says the gospel is the power of God. Then what does it say? To them that believe. This gospel is the power of God, but it's only to them that So guess what to them that don't believe? It's nothing. Do you have the power of God? Yes. Someday, we're, you know, when, when we die and go to heaven, I believe we're going to see everything we could have had. You know what I mean? Everything we could have had that, that we didn't understand or we didn't go after or whatever. All that stuff there, praise God. Somebody told me one time that the richest place in the entire world is in the cemetery. Why? Because there's books in the cemetery. There's power that got put in the cemetery. There's revelation that got put in the cemetery. People went to the cemetery with things on the inside of them that God put on the inside of them, and they never got it out of the inside of them because they did not pursue God and go to the Word and figure things out. So there's things in you this morning. How many know there's things in you? Yeah. Hallelujah. The, the book that I got of what now, praise God. I wrote that years ago. Years ago I wrote it. Didn't get it published. Didn't do anything. Then once God brings it back up, why? It was for a time such as this. Are you following me? That book was in me. How I many you know I could have died and that book would have never been published and nobody would have ever read it. Nothing would have ever happened. But there's things in us that needs to come out of us. There's things in you that need to come out of you that are already in there. There's gifts in you. I don't care. You start pursuing God and these gifts will come out. And the greatest of these gifts to come out will be the gift of love. God is love. If you're not walking in love, it's because you don't know God. God is love. Well, look what they did to me. Well, look what I did to him. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Until you go to the cross and get crucified for me, I don't really want to hear it. Praise God. Come on. Right. It don't take much to get us mad, does it? Don't take much to get our goal. Well, they deserved it. Well, that was just the way it was, and I, I, that's the way it should be. <laughs> and when we get that way, we ought to understand that it doesn't make us feel very good, does it? Oh. If, if you're walking this morning in unforgiveness and you think about that person, you don't, the joy of the Lord doesn't bubble up on the inside of you. <laughs> No, 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 it comes up at all. You just get madder by the minute. You got to forgive people, praise God. People make mistakes. There's no question about it. And you think you're torturing them by not talking to them anymore. They're probably the happiest people in the world. They haven't had to talk to you in years. Come on now. This is an individual relationship with God and a corporate, but your individual comes. You can have an individual relationship with him and the corporate don't, but you can't do it the other way around. You need your own relationship with God. You need to pursue him, and you need to keep yourself pure in heart and keep yourself clean. There's nobody in this world that deserves a cold shoulder from you. Praise God. All they deserve is your love, and love is a whole law. You don't have to worry about anything else. If you're loving everybody, you don't have to worry about anything else. You're forgiving them. They're not getting offended anymore. You're not doing this stuff. So as the manifestation of God starts to come out of us, not only power is going to come out, but love is going to come out because it gets produced by character. Say character. That's why we see so many ministers who operate in the power don't have the character. They fall. You've got to have something underneath that thing. You've got to learn to walk in love, man. Or when you get out there and start ministering, you're going to find, you're just going to find not everybody loves you. That's going to be the first shock whenever you step out in ministry. And you're really doing good. And God's moving. And all at once you find out that more people hate you than love you. And you just can't. You thought everybody was going to love me. I mean, oh my God, I don't want to understand. No, no. 
No, you're going to run into people. You're going to run into people, praise God. And you've got to learn to pray for them, bless them, love them. And now you've grown up a little bit more, see? So it's not just about power. It's about love and about our character. And we're growing in this church. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. Praise God. Some of you are getting so wise, you're starting to get gray hairs, I think, even. Praise God. From, from the wisdom, see? Wisdom comes with gray hair. Praise God. So... You're all there, glory to God, but uh, hallelujah. But we're growing. You've got power this morning. Hallelujah. It's on the inside of you. You choose to use it or not choose to use it. It's entirely up to you, but praise God, you've got the power on the inside of you this day. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Resurrection Sunday that we call it, Lord, but we know it happened a long time ago, 2,000 years ago. I thank you, Jesus, for loving us enough to go to the cross and take what you took on that cross for each and every one of us. Thank you for proving your love so that we could believe in your love and also love others the way that you love us. I thank you for the power that you placed on the inside of it, and I pray that revival will break that power loose all over this country, all over other nations, every place that revival breaks out, the power of God will be there in powerful force. And we thank you for what you're doing in each and every life in this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, praise God.